reading from Mark. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came along and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The word of God for the world. Will you pray with me? O Lord, you are God of gods, mighty and awesome, compassionate and loving, who is not partial, takes no bribe, and sets down justice for the orphan and the widow, who loves the strangers, and who calls us to also love the strangers, provide food and clothing for those in need. For you call us to remember that we too were once those strangers and in need. So may we bind these words of yours in our hearts and souls, affix them in places where we will see your teachings to love our neighbor, pass them down to our children, and to remember that as your children, you have taught us what is good. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The story from Mark of the widow's offering is familiar. And as my grandfather used to teach me, when a text is familiar, there's some danger in thinking you've already heard it. You don't need to read it again or spend a whole lot of time on it because you know how it goes. So his strategy to me and one that I've taken to heart is when we come to a familiar text, we put on the brakes. We slow down. Write down what I heard before, Papa would tell me. And write down what I think I know and what I understand so that my previous knowledge is preserved somewhere on paper. And then approach the text again for the first time. Imagine hearing it without what's on that piece of paper so that I can learn something new 
and understand a new insight. Because like us, the word of God is living and active. And the timeless words of Jesus meet us in our own times and places differently as we grow and gain experience and knowledge and faith. So let's try that. This is a familiar text. Think about how you've heard it preached before, this widow's might or this widow's offering. Preserve the lessons mentally or write them down. And then let's consider other options. These options are here to take back up at the end. You don't have to agree with me. But this is not going to be another sermon that simply tells you be more like the widow. I'm just telling you right now. So instead, I'd like us to follow her two cents and see where we end up and see where Jesus might be calling us into faithful, grateful, and more authentic living. So we should begin in context because the verses before the widow have everything to do with how we follow her and her two cents. In the preceding verses, Jesus condemns the particular religious leaders, not all of them, but those who were taking everything from widows, devouring their houses, Jesus says. Now, devouring is a little hyperbolic, but he, gets, he speaks that way to get our attention because the reality that widows were facing in his day was a far cry from what the tradition intended. As the reading from Deuteronomy outlined, God maintains justice for the poor and the widow, the orphan and the stranger, and requires Israel to do the same, loving the Lord and walking in God's ways, keeping the commandments and decrees for their own well-being. Just as God cares for the widows, the people and the leaders of Israel are to do likewise. So, in good, faithful fashion, an institution was set up to do just that. When a woman's husband died in ancient Israel and she had no male relative to care for her, all her possessions and property went into a trust managed by the religious leaders because women were considered property as well and so unfit to manage their own affairs. This was to ensure that no one could take advantage of her, nor allow her to become an outcast in society. But fast forward a few thousand years from when Deuteronomy was compiled and this established institution of widow trusteeship, we arrive in the temple treasury with Jesus, witnessing a system full of corruption practice of managing assets of vulnerable widows have become a lucrative one. So much so that there wasn't a whole lot of incentive for those in power to change the status quo. Because if the widows were adequately provided for, the temple economic complex would have to change. They would have to make dramatic shifts in the way they were organized, funded, and how they related to the people. They'd have to repent, in other words. One of Jesus' favorite words in the Gospel of Mark. 
This word of repentance, Jesus speaks not only to the temple of his day, but also a word of caution to the temples and sanctuaries and designated church buildings erected in our own time and place. For in the preservation of a building and the institution it represents becomes the object of time, attention, and care of worship, all that's left is a lifeless system of beliefs rather than a way of facilitating life in community. We discussed on Tuesday during free-for-all that systems and structures break down when we rely on them to do what a community is called to do. When caring for those who are poor and widowed becomes a piece of legislation up for votes rather than a heartfelt response to ensure that no one has too much and no one has too little, but still expected to give even their last two cents to something that's so broken. So when we follow the widow's two cents, may we be inspired to prayerfully consider where we contribute our own two cents, what we support through our gifts and purchases and investments, and to use as our plumb line the values that God encourages us to, requires of us, to love the Lord and walk in God's ways, to keep the commandments to maintain justice for the poor and the widow, the orphan and the stranger, for all people's well-being. But like the coins dropped into this treasury, we need to look at another side. When we look more closely at this famous yet unnamed woman, let's try to see her as Jesus saw her. Not just her money and where it's gone and what it represents, but her. So on one level, this woman is a poor woman who has no way to get out of poverty. We don't know how well she lived before her husband died, but she's down to her last two cents. So she brings it to the temple, and it seems as if no one but Jesus even notices or wonders what will happen to her now. But on another level, this woman is an example of trust and faith within this broken institution that is caring for people in situations like hers. An example of trusting in it despite its brokenness to show her faithfulness in God, who is more bigger and more faithful that can provide for her than any man-made, and I mean man, structure in her world. She's a prophet in her own right because she has given nevertheless out of a belief in a God who is close at hand and who has a history of responding when those in trouble cry out. And in her case, God is close at hand because Jesus is in the corner witnessing her faith and her risk. Jesus draws his disciples' attention to how she gave from faith in contrast to those who gave from abundance so that they would see her, really see her, 
and remember the call to be a community that cares for those like her, for those who put themselves at the mercy of institutions and systems, nonprofits and congregations, having given their last two cents and then have nothing else to live on. But as womanist theologian and commentary writer Emily Towns rightly cautions, we need to be careful against a reading that valorizes this woman and her offering in a way that uncritically asks those who are most vulnerable to give the most. This puts the widow and her giving out of poverty on a pedestal without asking ourselves about how doing so keeps distance between us and them. That's the problem with pedestals, the distance, where we can't imagine ourselves right alongside because of what they represent to us is more than we think we can ever give or could be capable of giving. So she suggests, instead of considering where we are in the story among the human characters, let's consider the coins, the coins themselves, as possibilities for how Jesus is calling us into deeper relationship with him and with one another. If we think of ourselves as the coins, the coins represent more than their monetary value in this story. The coins represent faith and belief and how these values need to be lived out in everyday lives in concrete actions. The coins represent faith-filled offering found in presenting all of who we are and who we can become to God for service in the world. Offering in this sense is more than just giving and receiving. It's a way of being. Considering ourselves like these coins, offered freely and willingly for the glory and work of God in creation, in spite of having to move through imperfect channels and systems, means God is the one who is trusted with the process and the outcome, not us. So when we ever, whenever we come together to be the church, wherever we are, in the pews, in the chairs next door for Sunday meals, in bleachers and camp chairs by soccer fields and tennis courts, in brewery booths and in comfy couches and other people's homes, we have the opportunity to offer grace and hope and mercy that we have received so abundantly in Christ and are called to share so abundantly with others. In our everyday interactions, the invitation is ours to accept and be a living offering of all that we are and all we hope to become to a world that God deeply loves and calls us to love the same. So may it be so. Amen.